Well, good morning, friends. My name is uh, Eric Ash. I'm honored to be one of your pastors, and I'm honored to be hanging out with your kids. It was really fun in there. We had a smaller number today, but it was fantastic having everybody in there. And uh, I'll try to keep my story straight because they're doing a whole different story than what you guys are doing this morning. So our series is about uh, selfies, and uh, the end of every sermon, we've been taking a selfie to kind of check out where we are with ourselves, and I just wanted to share this a little, uh, I want to share the selfie from last week so you can see what this looks like. Let's see, loading, loading. message is gone. Cool. All right. All right. So you want to hear the story that we told in children's church? All right. Well, when we find the message and we link it in, we'll, we'll get back there. Today's story is about, starts out with the phrase, go to the land that I will show you. We're picking up where, where Tracy left off last week with, with Noah and the building of the Tower of Babel. And we're picking up the story in Genesis chapter 12 with the story of a man named Abram and his family. And it starts out that God is telling Abram, go to the land that I will show you. And you know, it's kind of like God is acting like a GPS or something. And uh, in this series, we're, we're trying to take a look at our selfie and it helps us to remember that uh, it's important to look at ourselves regularly, to, to look within, to practice some self-reflection, some self-awareness, and how we're, doing, uh, how we're doing well and how we could grow. Just a pause. Talk amongst yourself for a second. I think you need to go in there and hit link and link up the message selfie four, please. When the tech guy, tech guy is in front of everybody and tech is not quite finished. So we're looking at how we're doing well and how we could grow. And it's our help for these next three weeks of this current series that we're going we're gonna to look at snapshots and pictures and selfies of those who've gone before us with this idea, this big idea that we need to look back to the past in order to find our, our present individually and our present communally and our future individually and communally. So today's selfie is something I'm going to call, do you listen to the, C the GPS? So I guess we got it. This is last week's selfie. And uh, John Bishop in all his glory. <laughs> Gotta love it. And Buff trying to not look like, is this my husband again? So this story with Abram reminds me of this great clip from one of my favorite shows, The Office. Take a look. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club. Other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had with that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? You lose everything, everything falls apart, and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. 
Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe turn. it's a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's what, a lake there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not Stop yelling. yelling. There's no lake here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. It's in the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. You sure you're okay? Fine. Good. That is what's most important. Did you get the rental insurance? Because that is pretty important too at a time like this. You know you're in trouble when, when Dwight is the voice of reason in the office. So we're going to take a look at ourselves in these next, next three weeks, continue to look at that. And our selfie stories this week is, is about a person who at different times in his life acts, I think, like various members of the office cast. So sometimes he acts with the prudence of Jim Halpert, sometimes with the loyalty of Andy Bernard, sometimes the compassion of Pam Halpert, and, and sometimes with the absurdity of Michael Scott. And it starts out with a call from God to a man named Abram in Genesis 12, 10 generations removed from Noah. And you might remember when we started out in week one, we discovered this, this pattern of call and respond and form and redeem. And we're going to see this pattern continue this week and in more weeks where God calls and, and someone responds and God forms them. They make choices, good, bad, and ugly, and, and God redeems those choices. And we're going to see this pattern today. We're going to especially see God's focus on Abram's call and response, and then what God does to redeem that call and response. So let me catch you up. It's uh, about 12 chapters we're going to go through quickly in order to get you up to this point. And it starts in Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name respected, and, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. And Abram left, just as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Now, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 
And so it continues from there. Abram leaves with, with Sarah and his nephew Lot and everyone in his household. And, and he goes to Canaan. This is God's GPS showing him where to go. And then the Lord appears to him in Canaan and, and says, I give you this land. And Abram builds an altar and he worships him. And he continues to travel south, building altars and worshiping all along the way until a famine overtakes the land. And Sarai and, and Lot and the whole household, they head to Egypt to find food. And up until now, everything's been pretty hunky-dory with Abram and the family. And Abram has responded to God's call extremely well. But in Egypt, Abram... Abram tells Sarai to, to say to the Pharaoh and say to the leaders that she is his sister. You see, he's trying to protect himself. If, if she's my sister, then they may not kill me because she's a very beautiful woman. And so Pharaoh does take notice of Sarai and, and takes her into his household. But eventually plagues come upon Pharaoh's family and, and Pharaoh confronts Abram and sends Sarai and Abram on their way because of Abram's little white lies. But the thing that God does to redeem this is that God sends them on their way with all of their possessions, without really losing anything. And they return to Canaan, and, and they decide then to go to the land that God had promised them, and they decide to separate from their nephew Lot because they've both gained a lot of possessions, a lot of cattle, and they couldn't graze in the same place. And Abram trusts God so much to provide that he allows Lot to have the first choice of land. Looking out upon the horizon, he, he says to Lot, pick where you'd like to be. And Lot picks down in, in the southeastern Jordan Valley, down near the Dead Sea, toward what now is the country of Jordan. And Abram takes kind of what's left over. He trusts God to provide for him. And then, soon after that, God reminds Abram again. Reminds him of the promise of this land that he's going to give to him. And the promise of descendants, even though Abram is ridiculously old to have any descendants at this point. Genesis 13 says, The Lord said to Abram, from the place where you are standing, look up and gaze north and south and east and west, because all the land that you see I will give to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth. If someone could count the bits of dust on, earth, on the earth, then they could also count your descendants. Stand up and walk around through the length and breadth of the land, because I am giving it to you. So Abram packed up his tent and went and settled by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord and worshipped. But Abram was old, and he was worried that he wouldn't have his own children. And so Abram continued talking to God, Since you haven't given me any children, the head of my household will be my heir. The, the, my head servant will be my heir. And and then the Lord's word came to him immediately, and he said, This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be from your own biological child. And then he brought Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky, reminding him again of the vastness of his land and descendants. 
Look up at the sky and count the stars, if you can think to count them. And he continued, this is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord. And the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. And God made a covenant with Abram. And they followed the covenant ritual ceremony by sacrificing burnt offerings of animals. Kind of like they had a barbecue outside. And then the next chapter, Abram and Sarai decide to take matters into their own hands because they don't trust God still. They don't see how this math works. They don't see how this science works, that we're old and we're still going to have biological children. So they take matters in their own hands, and, and Sarai gives Abram her servant, Hagar. And at age 86, Abram fathers a child named Ishmael. And as you can imagine, things don't go well from there. And some tension develops between Hagar and Sarai. And then at age 99, God appears to Abram again. And he says, I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and be trustworthy, Abram. I will make a covenant between us and I will make, give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face and, and God said to him, but me, my covenant with you is my covenant with you. You will be the ancestor of my many nations. And because I have made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you, and kings will come from you, and I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you in every single generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God, and you and you are descendants, God, God's after you. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are immigrants, the whole land of Canaan, as an enduring possession, and I will be their God. And a sign, a symbol of this covenant will be circumcision. And so everyone in their household has then become circumcised, and new males on the eighth day of their birth, and Ishmael happened to be 13 years old, thus the tradition of the 13-year-old bar mitzvah. And he changes not only Abraham's name, but he also changes Sarai's name to Sarah. And he reiterates this promise of children, saying Sarah will have a son of her own. And Abraham, at 100 years old, laughs at God. How in the world can this happen? I'm 100 and Sarah is 90. Soon after that, God and, and three men show up near Abraham's home, and, and Abraham welcomes them with great hospitality, feeds them, and, and gives them something to drink. And one of the men asks about Sarah and says she's looking forward to coming back when she is with child at this time next year and gives birth. And Sarah overheard this conversation. And Sarah, like Abraham, laughed at this proposition. So these three men head toward Sodom, the famous Sodom and Gomorrah area. And that's where Lot had settled. And, and, and it was a great city of great injustice. 
And so God and these three men are going down to destroy Sodom because of the great injustice. And Abraham responds by beginning to bargain with God. You guys ever bargained with God before? Well, only if, God, if you do this, then I'll do this, you know? God, if you do this, I will go to church every week and never miss ever again. Well, Abraham starts that. He begins to bargain with God, and, and he approaches and he says, will, will you really sweep away the innocent people with the guilty? What if there's 50 innocent people in the city? Will, will you sweep it away and, and not save the place for the sake of the 50 innocent people in it? It's not like you to do this, killing the innocent with the guilty as if there were no difference. It's not like you, God. Will the judge of all the earth not act justly? And the Lord said, if, 50, if I find 50 innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will save it because of them. Abraham's not quite satisfied there, though. And Abraham goes, well, God, okay, so what if you find 45? And God says, okay, if I find 45, I'll save it. What about 40, Abraham says. Okay, if I find 40. Okay, well, if it's 40, what about 30? What if we could do 30? Okay, 30, we'll, we'll save the city we can find. And Abraham goes to 20, and finally to 10, and God says, if I find 10 innocent people, I will spare the city. Well, we know the rest of the story. Sodom doesn't, doesn't survive. But Lot does escape with the three men. And uh, we see this in Genesis 18, 23, and 26. If you could put one back, please. There we go. And the Lord spared, spared them because of 10 innocent people. He agreed to that, but they didn't find 10 innocent people. And so Sodom was destroyed, but Lot was rescued. And after that, Abraham and Sarah decide to move on to a place called Gerar. And again, in true Michael Scott fashion, Abraham says to Sarah, tell them you're my sister. It will go better for us if you tell them. It will protect me. And so they do. And then bad things begin to happen to King Abimelech's household. And he finds out after he takes Sarah into his household. And, and King Abimelech is warned in a dream by God that don't touch this woman. And eventually he confronts Abraham and he pays off Abraham to go away and to take Sarah back. He, he gives them even more possessions and even more land and lets them go free. So again, a bad response, a poor response from Abraham. God redeems it for good for Abraham. And finally, at the, toward the end of this story, Genesis chapter 21, Isaac is born. Finally, Abraham and Sarah have a child, a son of their own. And they are, he is named Isaac, which means laughter. Because both Sarah and Abraham laughed at this proposition of a son. 
And tensions continue to grow with Sarah and Hagar and her son Ishmael. And, and, and they're finally banished. They're evicted from the household and sent on their own way. But even with them, God watches over Hagar and Ishmael and promises descendants and care for them. Even with the poor choices of Abraham and Sarah, God redeems the situation. And after all of this, after all of this waiting for a son, then God decides to test Abraham. In chapter 22, in, in this very famous passage, which we, we've heard about, and after all this, God tested Abraham and, and said to Abraham, and Abraham answered, I'm here. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Take Isaac and, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up as an entirely burned offering there on one of the mountains that I will show you. So Abraham got up early in the morning and he harnessed the donkey and took two of his young men with him and together with his son Isaac and, and he split the wood for the entirely burned offering and he set out and he went out to the place that God had described to him. And then he left the two men, the two servants, down at the base of the mountain. He traveled up the mountain with Isaac. And Isaac's wondering, Dad, where's the, uh, where's the animal for the sacrifice so we can worship? And they travel up the mountain and begin to build an altar on the top of the mountain. And they begin to pile the wood to prepare for the offering and then Abraham binds up Isaac and places him on the altar. In an, in an act of outrageous, maybe even absurd trust that we don't have time to get into to, to figure out why, but a time of unbelievable trust, Abraham then proceeds to sacrifice Isaac. But as he takes the knife, God calls out. The Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven a second time. He said, I give you my word. I will provide. Stop, Abraham. And in the bushes, a ram appears. A ram for the sacrifice. And the Lord said, I give you my word as the Lord, because you did this and didn't hold back your son, your only son, I will bless you richly. I will give you countless descendants and as many as the stars in the sky and the grains of the sand on the seashore, they will conquer their enemies' cities. All the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants, because you obeyed me. I have no idea why in the world God would test Abraham's obedience like that? It's an unbelievable ask. It's an absurd ask, even. But Abraham did. And the Lord honored his obedience. And then finally, we read in chapter 23 that Sarah had lived 127 years. 
This was how long she lived. She died in Hebron in the land of Canaan, and Abraham cried out in grief and wept for Sarah. And after he got up from embracing his deceased wife, he spoke with the Hittites who, who the, possessed this land. He said to them, I am an, I'm an immigrant and, and a temporary resident with you. Give me some property for a burial plot among you so that I can bury my deceased wife near me. And Abraham was, was a great and honored man. He was very well respected with the Hittites as a man of faith. And they offered him land. Please take any of our burial places to bury your wife, Sarah. And Abraham didn't want to take their help. And after several offerings, he insisted on paying for the land, even though they were wanting to gift him and help him. And they gave him the land, and he buries Sarah, and then the land was officially transferred over to Abraham's ownership, the beginning of his possession of this land. Okay, 12 chapters. But keeping with our series, I want to think about now, just in the last couple minutes, is where do we see ourselves in the story of Abraham and Sarah? I outlined a couple of ideas that I thought we might be able to relate to. And, and as we go through them, I want you to, to think about how you might relate. What about this idea of trust? Abraham goes to this unknown place that God is going to put the GPS on and show him. And he goes and he leaves his household and follows God. When they, when they come back from Egypt, he gives Lot the first choice of land, trusting God to provide land for him. And he continues to trust in God in the promise of descendants, sometimes well and sometimes not so well, but he trusts God. Secondly, though, he occasionally tells a couple of little white lies, especially about the sister business, trying to protect himself, telling Sarah to say, you're my sister, which was technically true. He was his sister, in a way, stepsister. But he tells these little white lies to protect himself. Other times, Abraham and Sarah like to do it their way. Do it my way. And, and, and even they even laugh at God at times. Oh, that can't be what's going to happen, God. But, you know, we can take matters into our own hands, and, and I can give Hagar, my servant, to you, and we can produce a childish smile. You ever want to do things your own way away from God? Or do you ever laugh at God? Or let's make a deal. He plays let's make a deal with God. You ever play let's make a deal? And then there's this outrageous, absurd amount of trust. After his entire lifetime, waiting for a child... And God says, take Isaac up to the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. In an outrageous amount of trust, Abraham does it. And in the closing part of the story, God offers help through the Hittites to Abraham. Offers God's help through the Hittites to provide a tomb 
for his lovely wife. Abraham can't take that help. He wants to, wants to pay for it. He wants to do something for God's help. God uses the Hittites to provide this tomb, but Abraham can't quite take it. You ever, does God ever try to help you and, and you can't quite receive that help? So as we close, I want us to, to take a little selfie. And, and, and ponder this question. Do you listen to the GPS? Not the way Michael Scott listens to the GPS. But are you listening to God's GPS in, in your life? Are you, are you, and how might you relate to Abraham and Sarah? Are you, are you trusting or at times, are you telling little white lies to God? Are you trying to do it your way and laughing at God? Or are you playing, let's make a deal? Are you ready for an absurd, outrageous act of trust if God calls you to it? And are you prepared in your time of need to receive God's help through others and just take it as an act of grace? without having to do anything else. Where do you fit into your selfie with Abraham and Sarah? As we stand and sing, I, I invite you to begin taking your selfie. Take it for this week and ponder Abraham and Sarah. Maybe take some time and read through this story for yourself. But as we stand and sing, the altar is open. It's a great place to pray. Would you stand as we close in worship. <clears throat> Nothing compares to this.
Hallelujah. Friends, it is a powerful and wonderful and awesome name. And one that from the very beginning gives us a story. A story that is God's story. And it's our story. So as we go out this week, I encourage you to, to look within. To look at the good and the bad and the ugly. And, and use the story of Abraham and, and see where you might relate. So we can take part of God's story and make it our story even more and more and more. So let's go from this place and live out this God story, our story, in order to share this wonderful, powerful name of Jesus with Lithia and beyond. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Mm -hmm.